Welcome to the SBCA Podcast Component Connection. Looking at how businesses around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in the construction supply chain. Now, here's your host, Sean Shields. Well, welcome everyone. On today's podcast brought to you by the Structural Building Components Association, we are going to talk about turnkey lumber yards. That's right, turnkey lumber yards. On the podcast today, we are joined by John Mattingly, president of Mattingly Lumber and Millwork in Granite City, Illinois. John, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks so much. I uh, really appreciate you having me on and uh, hopefully I can give you a little background about our organization. That'd be great. Well, let's start there. Let's talk a little bit about Mattingly Lumber. Uh, I understand your company started in 1993. I'm curious, what was the original opportunity your founders saw in the St. Louis market? Well, interestingly enough, my dad was in the lumber business uh, in 1965, and he started working with a family uh, that really just brought in plywood. Uh, When plywood was uh, more or less uh, introduced into the market, that's uh, kind of what the company focused on. Uh, there was a transition in 1993 where the original founder had a, a stroke and incapacitated them, and, and my dad ended up uh, buying the company from the family. So it was more of a slow transition from uh, where my father worked to uh, growing the organization into a lumber company and eventually buying it. Oh, interesting. Okay. So eventually you guys went down the road of offering uh, fully componentized framing packages. You know, I mean, the roof trusses, the wall panels, and the floor trusses. Can you help me understand, like, I don't know if you were doing that already in 1993, but like, how did you end up adding those product lines? Was it all at once or did it happen over time? Well, in 93, we were pretty much just what I call a shelf merchant, where we would just bring in the materials and turn around and sell them. Uh, and that was really in the early stages of when the, the large box retailers uh, started becoming uh, more of a, a force in the market. Mm. And what that really caused was a lot of the small uh, hardware builder type yards, small remodelers to get more into what we were doing, which was a little bit more of the track home builder uh, business. So with that, obviously, uh, the margins started getting squeezed and uh, just selling two by fours and two by sixes and plywood uh, became somewhat of a risk because really anybody in the market could do it. Um, so we saw the opportunity that if we want to continue to survive and grow, we need to add some sort of value to that product. And we started out uh, literally just hanging our own interior doors. And we started that in about 1999. Um, okay. Once we felt like we could get into a manufacturing concept with just a a small step like that, uh, the next step we decided to do was get into wall panels. Um, That was about uh, probably 2001, 2002. And Mm. then we had an opportunity to buy a trust company in St. Louis, and that was in 2005. So um, it it was uh, somewhat planned, but also a little bit reactionary on uh, how we got into all the component side of the business. Interesting. So 2005, you buy a trust plant. I'm sure that made 2007 and 2008 really exciting. <laughs> it was uh, it, it was uh, the best and the worst time <laughs> to get into the trust business. Uh, the, the best being it slowed down to the point where we could get a lot of practice with nowhere to move our product. Uh, 
But the worst of times, obviously, uh, the the uh, customer base uh, was eliminated very, very quickly. So uh, it was a challenge, but it did give us a time to step back, take a breath, and try to figure out how to do it right. It really, truly was. A, it was a blessing in disguise looking back. Well, I'm sort of interested, I mean, just to sit on that for a second. Um, I mean, certainly, as you, you pointed out, your, the customer base disappeared. A lot of the competition kind of disappeared at the same time. I'm just curious. I mean, how how did you successfully navigate that time? I mean, did it help being a little bit diversified in what you offered? Or what was sort of your strategy getting through there, just slow and steady? It, well, it, it was interesting because most of the builders that did survive really downsized their own staff. So hmm. instead of having two or three people on the purchasing side, maybe they had one at best, or it became another job of the owner or, or some higher level person in the organization. Well, when that did happen, they had to rely on their vendors and their subcontractors more. So as we started building more products in our product mix, it was easier for them to rely on one person, or I say one person, one organization, one company that could do more things for them. And if they could pick up the phone and and get their trusses taken care of, as well as their lumber package, as well as their interior trim, that was three less phone calls that an already downsized organization had to make. Excellent. So as you talked about, you you added this product line, things slowed down, you had some time to sort of work out the kinks. I mean, what were some of the hiccups that you discovered as a LBM who was adding this trust manufacturing, what, what were some of the things that you felt like you had to sort of figure out? Uh, I think the two biggest things that we had to figure out, number one being when you're just selling a product in the market and you're not adding uh, a, a manufacturing side or a, a value added portion to that product, you really have to change your mindset from buying it cheap, getting it out the door, and getting it delivered on time to adding a layer of time component, employee time, how quickly and efficiently you can build a product. So it's definitely a mindset change from the management level that you really have to understand building a product efficiently. And it, it brings in a labor component that you're just not used to looking at. So, you know, we really had to cut our teeth mm. a little bit on understanding what our true costs were going into these uh, these new components. Um, but the more, the larger challenge for us locally was wall panels. Carpenters mm. can make or break you, field carpenters, um, installers, can make or break a successful component uh, manufacturer. In St. Louis, we are a very labor union dominated market. And it's very tough mm -hmm. to bring in a wall panel where the carpenters in the field feel like time is being taken away from them and it's done in a warehouse. And if those carpenters want to make your life difficult, they can. They can nitpick every little tiny thing that they're used to adjusting all the time in the field. But because somebody else is doing it, it becomes a big challenge. So that is the second thing that I think was the hardest thing for us to change, to support the field more. We just had to, we had to build a better relationship with the field carpenters because you're not going to be successful if there's not buy-in out on the job site. Well, and I want to get to that field labor component uh, a little bit later. But before we get there, you know, obviously you made it through the downturn. You have expanded 
significantly as uh, the market has uh, recovered, which has taken a long time, obviously. You've continued to have all of these different uh, framing component products offered. What kind of advantage does that give you over uh, your competition in the St. Louis market, offering basically the whole package? I think the most frustrating thing for a builder, whether it be commercial or residential or uh, literally the home remodeler, is managing their subcontractors. Hmm. There's a lot of finger pointing that goes on. Well, it was this guy's responsibility. This guy missed his deadline. Uh, This lady forgot to order. A lot of that type of thing goes on in our industry. I think what gives us an advantage is the more that you can bring to the builder and the more products you can bundle from one organization, it relieves a lot of the headaches associated with that transaction. Because it used to be in the day, well, you would call one place for your trusses, you would call one place for your windows, another place for your doors and your lumber yard, as well as add on a few different layers. If you can control that as a subcontractor and provide that entire package, it just provides a solution for the builder that they are willing to pay a little bit more for. Um, We will never go to market saying we're going to be the cheapest person in the market. We are going to try to provide a solution that makes that builder's job easier. And in the long run, probably save them some money in just pure mistakes that happen in the field, time, reorders, uh, you, you know, the types of things that are soft costs that you don't really uh, budget for. So I think that puts mm-hmm. us at a little better advantage where we're a one-stop shop. And if you can pick up the phone and call one person and get the answers that you used to be able to have to call four different trades, that's a, that's a benefit for us. I like that. I mean, functionally, that all makes sense. And I'm curious, like on the marketing side of things, there's two things that I read when I was sort of looking at your company that, that I just wanted to ask you about, because I think it's, it's a really good way to talk about it, to describe what you just were talking about being a one-stop shop. So I, I noticed like in your email signature, for, for instance, you have, you know, Mattingly Lumber, the next level of component framing which I love. I love that statement. And I want to get into like, how did you develop that marketing uh, tactic and how has that worked for you? And along the same lines, I think you have in some other places, you know, you're described as the only turnkey lumber yard in the Metro St. Louis area. And I think those two things sort of fit together. But can you can you take a step back and talk about, okay, so as you are deciding to become a one-stop shop, you obviously started talking about yourselves in th- this in these ways. How has that resonated with the builders in your market? Has that allowed you to bring in more business, you know, have pushing those kinds of concepts out into your market? Yes, it has. I mean, everybody can have a tagline. Everybody can say that they have great service. Everybody can say they have low prices. Well, our tagline was basically trying to deliver the message that we're trying to do something to make your life easier. And when we say the next level of component framing, we are trying to provide solutions, not only trusses, but we're going to pre-cut your floors for you. We're going to stage your orders that when you're out in the field, your carpenters can be the most efficient when they're pulling floor trusses off a stack. Uh, We're going to provide a crane out there so you don't have to pick up the phone and try to time your crane at 
five or $600 an hour. We're going to provide that service for you. So everybody can do components um, if they want to, but to take it to the next step where we provide solo- solutions uh, for the builder that they don't, that just makes their life easier on pure time. Right now, the builders are concerned with turns, getting more holes in the ground, getting more houses completed. Um, we feel that what we're doing is providing the builder the opportunity to do that faster. Hmm. And I suppose the, the turnkey lumberyard piece of it gets to what I want to talk about in our next episode, which is you have incorporated a lot of field labor into your operations as well, correct? Correct. That was the probably the biggest move that we made. And as I had talked to you a little bit about earlier, um, carpenters, uh, field installers can make or break a component manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And we found that it was difficult to get buy-in from the field on some of the things we were doing. So in 2003, we decided to uh, partner with a, a local gentleman who had a ton of experience in field framing, and we started a, a, a framing company. So under our umbrella of companies, uh, not only do we have a component lumber company that can solve a lot of problems uh, on the lumber side, uh, we also have a crane company and we have a field carpentry company that actually installs our products. Hmm. Now, that doesn't say that that doesn't mean that we will only sell jobs that our carpenters are doing. We certainly sell our packages to other companies that have different installers. And on the flip side of that, our carpenters do business with builders who don't use our lumber services, or our component services. Hmm. But we have gotten to the point where the vast majority of our customers are not only using all of our components, but they're using our components, our crane, and our installation arm. So we can take, if they provide us, they being the builder, if they provide us the foundation, we can take it all the way up to the roof. So you can be a one stop or you can be whatever stop you need. Exactly. Because a lot of the builders still have their own carpenters on crew, mm-hmm. uh, on the payroll. So, uh, you know, in those situations, we still uh, obviously love their business. Um, so it's, it's an opportunity for a builder to pick and choose what, how, they, how large of a relationship what they want to have with us. Something as simple as they just want to buy trusses from us to they want to give us one purchase order with the price of the floors, the walls, the roof, all the interior trim as well as the carpentry labor and the crane on one purchase order. Wow. Well, John, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I love it. We, we really appreciate all the work that the SBCA does. And uh, we always look forward to the magazine every month and we pass it around. And uh, uh, the support that you guys give us on the back end is tremendous. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Well, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give this podcast a favorable rating and share it with others. Also, consider subscribing to SPCA's Component Connection podcast on whatever platform you use most. That way, you'll immediately know when we publish our next podcast. Speaking of next podcast, John and I are going to continue our discussion on Mattingly Lumber's journey into framing labor integration. This has been a Component Connection podcast brought to you by SBCA. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com.